would say this is a, uh, you know, the emergency podcast because I'm talking to you guys on Tuesday night because just a few minutes ago, it was announced that the Washington, or not announced, sorry, but confirmed uh, by me and others that the Washington football team signed former Bengals cornerback William Jackson to a three-year, $42 million contract. And all that happened while I was recording a podcast <laughs> with uh, my my teammates at the Athletic, Rhiannon Walker and Zach Boyer, talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and kind of other things. We were answering our questions, and literally in the middle of that came news of the William Jackson um, signing. So when I, I had to pause the podcast so we could all figure out what the heck we had to do for, for our purposes, and when I came back, instead of having Zach and Rhiannon, I had our Bengals writer, Jay Morrison, come on to talk to us about William Jackson. So that is going to to happen here in a second. But in addition to that, earlier in the day, I spoke with NFL analyst Ross Tucker, former, of course, uh, offensive lineman here for Washington. We talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We talked about Brandon Scherf and uh, got great insight from him. So it's a jam-packed episode that is going to be heavily edited by me. I haven't done it yet. I'm about to. Wish me luck on that. Not my skill, uh, not my strength, but we'll have to figure out how to do that. In any event, appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Thanks to, of course, to subscribing uh, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you do your podcasting. Uh, and of course, thanks to subscribing to The Athletic. Uh, I will note, if you have not yet subscribed to The Athletic, now is a good time to do it. There is a dollar uh, a dollar deal on right now. You can subscribe month for a dollar per month. I think it's for six months, but you can double check when you click on. Uh, easy enough to do. Go to um, go to the athletic, uh, or maybe more to the point, if you're a Twitter person, go click on one of my articles. And go do it that way. Look, here's the reality: if you click on my article, I get the credit. That's how, the, and you subscribe, but then I get the credit. So basically. Tweet, go to my one of my you know, one of my one of my tweets. Find an article, click on that. I'm sure I'll have something else tweeted out by the morning, uh, or 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 later. Um, anyway, that, that that's how all that works. Do that. Um, I'm not gonna. I, I talked a bunch about the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing. I just talked now again with Jay about um, the the William Jackson signing. So I don't want to step on any of that too much here. I know some of you have been sort of. Um, you know, freaked out about how come they weren't spending. Well, obviously now they have not spent on Jackson for pretty good, pretty good amount of money. Um, you know, in line with what Shaquille Griffin received from Jacksonville. I think those two are considered to be, you know, one A, one B of the corners, depending on who you talk to and what you thought. Um, I see some people really like the Jackson signing, especially for that kind of money. Um, I heard from some people who said that they liked Darby. Darby's deal a little bit more. Obviously, Ronald Darby, since we spoke last, he is no longer with the team, signed with Denver on Monday, the first day of this legal tampering period, in which 8,000 deals have been happening over the last two two days. Darby got basically three for 30 million, 19 guaranteed. Um, He's a good player, though. William Jackson, both of them are. Darby had a really good year for Washington last year. Uh, William Jackson, um, like I said, uh, some people thought he was arguably the best cornerback in this class. So we'll get to all that in just a, in a few minutes here with Jay Morrison. Again, we'll also talk. You also hear from my uh, uh, a truncated version of my conversation with uh, Rhiannon Walker and Zach Boyer. 
N. We'll start off, though, with Ross Tucker talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Scherf, and more here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Joining me here on the Standard Room Only podcast, the guy is who is big in the podcast world in his own right. Uh, he is NFL analyst supreme, Mr. Ross Tucker. Ross, how I appreciate you taking time away from your uh, podcasting empire to talk to me. How are things going? Doing awesome, Ben. Good to be with you. First time on the Standing Room Only. Love that. I I wish I had some clever name for my <laughs> podcast. I love that Standing Room Only. I've got the Ross Tucker podcast, which I don't know, just seems lame now after all these years to just have like. And actually, I take that back. It's the Ross Tucker football podcast, because I think at some point I want to make sure when people like search football that I came up. So as opposed to the uh, Ross Tucker beer pong podcast, it's the Ross Tucker football podcast. And if you like betting even money, if you like fantasy, fantasy feast, and if you like the draft and college stuff, the college draft. So, yes, I've already done a couple today. Uh, looking forward to being on yours. Let's do it let's go i appreciate it. you kindly had me on yours a couple years ago with evan silva to do a mock draft that was a lot of fun so i had to uh had that's to right you. ben you're the you're the mock draft guru that's right i forgot <laughs> that for a second yeah yeah that was, that i'm was, gonna you know what I, I gotta get you do not let me forget to i'm in all sincerity to get you on the even money podcast sometime in the couple weeks before the draft because there's a lot of value for that on the betting side of things. Now, we actually today had on a guy who got 67 of the 68 NCAA tournament picks right. 47 seeds he hit exactly correct. And yeah. now that you can bet on that stuff, that's 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 valuable info. <laughs> that 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 is crazy especially in this year if you could do that with the NCAA tournament more power uh more power to that guy um all right well so let's jump in I when we we we, we talked a few days ago and I said let's let's plan on talking on Tuesday afternoon I have no idea what will be happening but hopefully Washington will have done something they've done something they signed at this moment they have signed one player he's a notable one Ryan Fitzpatrick before we get into sort of what you think of him I'm curious what did you think of Washington's quarterback situation going into free agency? Like what for you in your head was the way they should go? And then in turn, I guess, what do you think of what they did? I kind of thought that they would be looking uh, two different directions. One would be a veteran. And then the other one would be the draft pick. The thing is though, with where they select, just hard to picture them getting the guy that they would really like. And I guess that's the negative of winning the division last year and so I thought they'd probably go harder on a veteran but not a guy that is a long-term solution I, I thought it would be a guy that is a bridge to someone younger soon so whether that's Taylor Heineke or a draft pick a year from now or maybe I don't know maybe Mac Jones falls them in the first round they take him I don't know but I thought it would be someone of the this ilk and I think they nailed it. I really do. I mean, you look at Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, some of the other guys. I think I'd rather have Fitzpatrick right now. You know, I think people are failing to realize just how well he played the last two years in Miami. I think because their team was so bad in 2019 around him. And because in 2020, they wanted to play Tua and give Tua experience, see what they had in Tua. I'm not sure people really recognize that 
Fitzpatrick's playing the best football of his career. I mean, this and, and he had a stint in Buffalo, had a stint in, with the Jets where he played really well. But he's playing at a really high level. And if nothing else, Ben, he represents, in my mind, a pretty significant upgrade over what they had a year ago at the position. And I know that might sound crazy to some people. It's, it's really not. I mean, I, I referenced it earlier. It's good timing. I just recorded two hours ago the Even Money podcast, and Steve Fezzik was saying he's got him ranked as his 14th best quarterback in the NFL. And I think not many people would say that or think that. And if you went and jotted him down, I'm not sure you'd put Fitzpatrick 14th. But if you really look at the last two years and the way these guys played – and what was around them, I think he is. I mean, I think he's a top 20 quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, look, reputations for better or for worse can be hard to shake, and his is the quintessential journeyman. He's played on 100 different teams, uh, bounced around, never completes a full season. I mean, a crazy stat, Taylor Heineke, with his one random playoff start, has more playoff starts than Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, because that's just how it's been for his career. So maybe it is just a perception thing. Um, what uh, – why do you think that over his career he is playing his best now? Why do you think he's never been able to get that completely fair shake to start if, in fact, he is this guy that maybe is one of the you know top 15 or so quarterbacks in the league? Um, age and reputation. Age and reputation. I think most teams do not want to have a quarterback that, was he, 38? Yes. Yeah, so most teams aren't looking to sign a 38-year-old quarterback. And they're not looking to sign a 38-year-old quarterback who's bounced around the NFL quite a bit. They don't look at him as the long-term answer or the potential long-term answer. I think like the Saints, for example, they look at Jameis Winston as the potential long-term answer. I don't think that's necessarily the case with the Patriots. I think for the Patriots, they look at a guy like Cam Newton as their best option, their best alternative, as opposed to Trubisky or Dalton or some of the other guys that are available. I think the Patriots just thought bringing Cam back for a second year was their best option. I just don't think many teams are interested in, like, I, I got to tell you right now, I'm a little surprised that the Bears, and who knows how much interest they had, but I guess I'm a little surprised the Bears didn't go harder for Ryan Fitzpatrick because they are desperate to win this year. Their GM and their head coach are on the hot seat. I kind of thought Fitzpatrick would be a good fit in Chicago based on the way he's played the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, he does he, he does feel like a little more like urgent urgency kind of sign. And, I, and that's why I kind of thought with Washington, maybe they would go with, as the listeners have heard me say, one of these broken toy quarterbacks, the, the, the Trubisky's, the Mariota's, somebody who could maybe help you this year. But if you fix them, maybe they're your long-term answer, which Washington still needs, which sort of leads me into the other point, And that is, so now you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. If money dictates the depth chart, he's the clear starter. Uh, he Allen and Heineke don't make that much money. But Ron Rivera said last year he thought Kyle Allen could have done for this team what Alex Smith did in terms of the winning. And we saw Taylor Heineke give a spirited performance in the playoffs. Is there anything you like from those two guys that you watch to think that even if Fitzpatrick is the bridge guy for this year, that those two guys could be the future? Or do they really still, even with these three guys, need to figure out whether it's the draft or some other way, a longer-term play, even if it's doing it before the season starts? 
I think that they will still have their antenna up and still think about a long-term play, but it doesn't necessarily present itself to every team every year. And I think that they're going into this thing without trying to force it. You know, the other thing I would say about Fitzpatrick playing his best football, and it is only a one-year deal, but we've seen quarterbacks now play into their 40s and play pretty decently. And let's say Fitzpatrick could play the next two or three years at a high level, you know, like some of the other guys have done. That's not, you know, that's a long time in NFL years, two or three years. I would say there's some percentage chance that Fitzpatrick is the guy for the next two or three years. I don't know what that is, Ben. Maybe it's 20%. I think there's some percentage chance that Heineke is. Maybe another 20%. And then Kyle Allen, maybe 10%. So I think there's probably, this is off the top of my head, I think there's probably a 50% chance that the Washington quarterback in 2022, 2023, 2024 is not on the roster right now. But there's also a 50% chance that he is. And I think this year will go a long way towards sorting that out with one of the three guys they have on the roster. You know, as we're all sort of to some degree trying to figure out the Ryan Fitzpatrick or I mean, he's, he's quite the legend with the Fitz magic and, you know, the beard and all that stuff. But obviously one part of his legacy is he's a Harvard guy. You are the, you are a rarity as well. An Ivy leaguer uh, who played in the NFL. It's easy to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is smart. I, I've never talked to him, but if you're going to Harvard or an Ivy league school, I imagine you're smart as a Princeton guy. Maybe you have a different view of a Harvard thing. I don't know, but I imagine you, you accept that you're both Ivy league guys. Does that translate? Like we think of it like book smart. Like if I want to cheat off of somebody for the SATs, maybe I'll pick Ryan Fitzpatrick. But how does that smart translate to the quarterbacking and how has that helped him have this uh, you know, long career? Well, so first of all, Harvard's a very reputable school. I mean, <laughs> if you can't get into Princeton, I think it's a great place to go. And not a lot of people can get into the number one ranked school in the country. Princeton University. So if you can't get into Princeton, I think Harvard's a great, a great backup, a great place to go, great safety school, whatever you want to call it. That's number one. Number two, it does mean that he's smart on some level. But I think you make a great point. There are, a, I, I think you have a better chance of having a high football IQ if you already went to an Ivy League school and you've got whatever baseline of SATs and GPA, you need to go into that school. But that doesn't mean it's unanimous at all. I mean, I, I can tell you, Ben, I know multiple times Ivy League players, one of the th places where they struggled at the next level was the football part of it, the football intelligence part of it. And I think part of that is because, you know, some of these other schools, they're putting a lot of time in. I mean, it's like a full-time job. And the Ivy League, you got other stuff going on. And I just think, I, I can give you two examples. I'm not going to name them, but I know for a fact that the football IQ did not come as easily for those guys. And it's a big reason why they never made it, even though they had the physical ability and they got opportunities at the next level. Now, Fitzpatrick clearly has a high football IQ as well, but your point is well taken. The two do not necessarily go together. 
Um, let's uh, in the last couple of minutes here we have with uh, Ross Tucker. Uh, let me switch. You are not only an Ivy Leaguer, but you are a former offensive lineman, and obviously one of Washington's big topics this offseason is what's going to happen with Brandon Scherf. They did place the franchise tag on him, as we know, for a second straight year, which bumped him up to a, at least he's going to get paid eighteen million dollars in uh, 2021 not not a bad situation the ideal plan though is to sign him to a long-term deal I think because otherwise I don't really know what they're doing here and I think there's some question as to whether they help their cause or not by putting the tag on him what's your interpretation of it I saw you tweeting earlier about not just Sheriff but also Joe Thune now that he got a, a huge deal with the Chiefs and he was the number two guard in this draft and maybe his contract helps set a baseline for Sheriff what's your sense of what Washington did with the tag and kind of what makes sense in terms of paying a guard, um, you know, this kind of money. Yeah. So 18 million for just one year of Brandon Sheriff does not make sense to me, especially this year when that represents 10% of the salary gap. So that, that doesn't seem logical. What's clearly happening here, Ben, this is a situation in my mind where you have the chief personnel decision maker is also the head coach. And all he knows is, is that Brandon Sheriff's one of his best players and he doesn't want to lose him. And so the tag was a way to make sure they don't lose him, but it also puts him in a tough spot on the contract part of it. Because if you're Brandon Sheriff, why, why would you accept anything other than starting at $18 million a year for this year? Now, I wouldn't be surprised they end up getting something done for around where Joe Thune is, maybe a little bit higher. But it does put the leverage in Brandon Sheriff's court because he could just play one more year and then next year with the salary cap higher, be able to pick where he wants to go because they obviously wouldn't tag him a third time. You know, as you know, Ben, I played all five spots. All my starts were at center and guard. And I sometimes wonder about the value of paying a very good player at an elite pay rate along the offensive line. Because if you think about it, you're, you're really only as good as a line as your worst lineman. And sometimes I wonder how much value the high-end guys create. I mean – Washington for a couple of years there had Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriff, two of the best in the business, their positions. They still didn't really have a great O-line, you know? I mean, they had an okay offensive line. I, look, I'd rather, rather than paying Brandon Sheriff 18 million, I'd rather make sure I am good at every spot and pay three guys five, five and a half million a year. What really, what you really can't have is a bad player on the field for you. You can get by without having a stud or a great right guard or any position, quite frankly. You want those five guys to all be average or better and to work well together as a unit. That is more important in my mind than spending a ton of money on just one position, especially when left tackle is still a major concern in Washington. My guess is they'll go to the draft for that one. But yeah, I, I, I just, and people think I'm a hater. I played the position. I just, I wonder sometimes if it's worth paying Trent Williams over 20 million a year or Brandon Sheriff, 18 million a year, 
are they providing that much more value than a replacement level player or an above average player that you can get for a lot less? Are they, are they worth three times as much as that guy? No, that, that, that's a great point. And in my last question, just to tie these two topics together. So with Brandon Scherf, I mean, I asked Ron this in his press conference the other day, if Scherf's on this tag, the odds of him signing a long-term deal drop a lot because the incentive for him to do that is, is, is less, it's less than it would be otherwise. Um, if he is only essentially a one and done, does that make this a win more, feel more of a win now situation, thus going to get a guy like Fitzpatrick rather than taking an experiment of a guy you might have to fix Fitzpatrick's more of a sure thing. Maybe does give you a better chance to win. Now. Do you think there's, there's some correlation there that they may think we may not have sure for more than this year. We need to take advantage of this and, and go forward to some degree. I think when Ron Rivera moved on from Dwayne Haskins last year, he showed that he is more concerned with winning now and changing the culture than other people want him to be, right? Like every, myself included, I was like, what are you guys doing? You're not going anywhere this year. You got to find out what you have in Haskins. Well, guess what? They knew what they had in Haskins and they knew they had a chance to win and they did. They won the division. And so I think Ron Rivera looks at it very much this year. Is he concerned about the future? Yeah, he's got one eye on the future. But remember this, Ben, coaches will always be more here and now focused, that season focused, than executives. So it really it's why Belichick, what he's done over the years, is really interesting because he has sacrificed in the present for the future. I think Ron Rivera, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Brandon Sheriff, thinks those two guys help him win back-to-back division titles to start his tenure in Washington and that he can worry about the future now, but also later. He's got to worry about winning football games this year. We got a whole season to go. Uh, you make, you make great points and obviously, and everybody's future should be listening to Ross on his umpteen podcast. Go follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. So you can follow all the, all the action there and, and keep up with everything. Ross, man, I really do appreciate it. Yeah. I definitely hope we can talk later in the off season and, uh, We'll see what happens with Fitzmagic. Absolutely, man. Well, look, he's an awesome guy. You're going to enjoy covering him, Ben. I'll put in a good word for you with him. And I'm definitely getting you on the Even Money podcast a week or two before the draft to get your your draft prognostications. That will be awesome. You're as good as anybody in the business. I'm so glad you reminded me of that. That'll be awesome. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, Ross. We'll talk soon. All right. Uh, now joining me on the podcast, uh, the 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 other what is it? The other two thirds of the uh, I was going to say dynamic duo, but there's three of us. What's the, what's the phrase for the for for, for three people? Uh, terrific trio. Terrific trio. Sure. There we go. Uh, <laughs> the 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 other the the other parts of the terrific trio for the. Uh, our, our coverage of the Washington football team at the athletic uh, ran and Walker, of course, uh, who's, who's been on the beat uh, with me for a, a while now. And our new partner, our editor who used to be on the beat, Zach Boyer. Thank you to both of you for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. Are we holding up during uh, free agency here? <laughs> 
first of all, Ben, I appreciate being asked to come on, especially because I did have an IOU, so I'm happy to finally turn that card into you. But also, um, the conversation you missed with Zach and I, you should have seen the call because, Zach, remember what we were doing? We were talking about this, and then the Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff happened. A story that I was writing about the quarterback stuff literally dropped, and I just said, Zach, we have to change the entire story. We got to change the entire story. I woke you, up today. You sounded so sad and distraught. You were just like, I Zach, was. you got issues. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? And then I, had, I, I was, was like, down the hall. I had to go rush him back to the computer. And I was like, oh, here we go. And it was, like, was the unfortunate part was it was so late at night, right? Like, I mean, <sighs> it's like your classic late night news dump. But, you know, poor, poor Ryan Fitzpatrick is saying I and not thinking about all those people at home who are hinging on every single last one of his words. So... <laughs> Hey, man, at least it wasn't as bad as Kevin Durant. Do you remember July 4th when Kevin Durant decided to commit to the Golden State? I know that NBA writers were sick that day. Like, I can't imagine giving up a holiday like that for this kind of news when it could have happened any other day. That was hilarious. As somebody watching now, as somebody who has to be a part of it, it's not so fun. I actually went into a news studio that day to do a TV hit on Kevin Durant because, uh, of course, I have no life, so it was easy to get me to go in. Uh but yeah, I actually remember where I was on that day. I don't, I don't know what happened yesterday, but I know where I was on that day. Um, all right, and I know what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Washington football team. We're talking about free agency. Um, we are currently talking, what is this, Tuesday night, 940. At the moment, the only thing they have done is sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. I presume all three of us have Twitter open, so if something happens, we will, uh, we will discuss. But for now, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick is here. Ronald Darby is and Kevin Pierre Lewis are elsewhere. And we're pondering what else is going to happen. I put out the word to you guys uh, on Twitter asking for uh, some questions. So we'll get to, we'll get to that um, here. Uh, before we go, uh, does anybody have any basic thought about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Forget the quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the personality that 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 we're getting i personally think that like i don't know if he'll be better like he'll be better than the version of alex smith we effectively had last year which was an amazing inspirational story but kind of limited with his physical ability but from like a personality standpoint oh my god we went we 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 hit the jackpot here relative to what we had and you factor in taylor heineke his story like our the 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 q rating or i don't know what the right words the, the the interest level at the quarterback position on the personality we could not have done much better than at, at this point than going from Alex Smith to Ryan Fitzpatrick plus Taylor Heineke. I feel I like we've kind of hit the, go ahead, Zach, you start this one. I was going to say, I think what you guys are going to encounter is going to be a lot more uh, high level, mature, intelligent conversations taking place between quantum mechanics and engineering and rocket science. There's going to be a whole lot of different concepts being taught in that film room. <laughs> I mean, at this point, all I think about is the fact, like, I just think about the wardrobe we're about to start seeing. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if QB1 in DC has ever had that much swag. Like, just, man, look, I'm very excited about this. And he seems very personable, too. I mean, you guys remember the, uh, what's they said, the battle of the mustache versus the beard. And they said that Ryan Fitzpatrick pulled the wool over uh, Minshew's eyes. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> That's the content I'm going to get here in DC. Oh, the SEO ratings are going to be crazy out here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, Taylor Heineke, for the, just the brief time we had him at the end of the year, was, was super interesting. And now we got those two. Plus, we have Kyle Allen. Steven Montez is still here, too. But we're going to sort of put him into the corner because, uh, obviously, 
effectively well, he didn't really play last year and you know i'm not gonna personally assume he'll be part of the rotation but it is a question of well what is the rotation is this all they're gonna do so question here from at sanchise 405 do you think do, do you think signing ryan fitzpatrick completes the qb room in 2021 and if not could the team look at options in the draft and if they do all that who would be the odd man out um I think this to me has broken my brain over the last 24 hours <laughs> because I was of my, my impression was, okay, you have Taylor Heineke and you have Kyle Allen. Now it's not like they had, there's tons of money in each one. Kyle Allen is on a deal for less than a million dollars. Taylor Heineke minimal guaranteed money, but, 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 but a little bit, but regardless, I mean, Ron Rivera has gone out of his way to praise Kyle Allen numerous times. He said at the end of the year, when asked, could they have won the games down the stretch without Alex Smith, without prompting, immediately said, yes, with Kyle Allen. And then Taylor Heineke obviously performed well, and they decided to resign him pretty quickly, even though I don't think Heineke even had much of a market. Uh, they got that done. So it seems like logically they would want to keep them. But... <laughs> Or I don't know if you could say that either one of those guys are a long-term answer. That's why I really did. I thought they would maybe go for like a, an upside play here among the free agents. You're sort of your Mariota type guys or the draft. Instead, you get Fitzpatrick, who has a pretty high floor and is interesting. But, I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's a classic journeyman. Taylor Heineke has started more playoff games than Ryan Fitzpatrick has. <laughs> so like it, it, it's, it's a weird room. So all of a sudden I'm like, well, wait, do you, I, I could argue that they, they will keep all three based on how Rivera in particular has talked about Allen and Heineke. But again, if the, there is, what's the upside with here beyond maybe this season. So I would say, no, the, I, I would say, yes, this is the group, but I could easily be talked out of it because what's the, the I don't know what the future is out of this group. And that to me was sort of the bigger deal can't just keep kicking the can down the road. So Rannon, where are you at? Do you think this completes the room or you, uh, you, you think they go somewhere else? I think that they only really go somewhere else if they, I hear a cat. Oh my gosh, Lenny. <laughs> um, so I know that chirp anywhere. Um, but I think that this is a situation where they only really look to go somewhere else if someone else becomes available to them in like the right sweet spot. As we've literally seen, and this is something that I kind of talked about in our real time app and just with the Ronald Darby stuff, it's like, it's crazy to me that I could look at those numbers and I say like, okay, like that doesn't feel that crazy, but also kind of knowing like what the year is, the cap situation, stuff like that, or even with the Eric Flowers thing, you're like, okay, like clearly they have numbers in their head or they clearly have an idea in their mind of what someone is worth. If they don't get that number, they're not going for it. So even in a situation like with the draft, if they see somebody maybe at like spot number, I don't know, like 12, like that's okay. That's too high up. That's going to cost us too much. But if that same person, you see them at 15. It's like, mm, okay. Like, is that maybe like, you know, is that like in our comfort zone or whatever the case may be? I seriously just see it as, you know, Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a one-year deal. I think the thing that I enjoy the most about this whole thing and like that I appreciate just because of my personality is the honesty about it. He's not going to be the quarterback of the future. It's one season where they feel like this guy has something in the tank. He fits into this, this system as somebody who can put the ball down the field. You get a guy that gives them a little bit of speed and like, they could probably have just quite a bit of fun with it. You get somebody else to pair with Logan Thomas and Hey, like they're off to the races. Um, so I love that element of this. It's just that we know what it is on both sides. And we just think that if we could put everything together in this one year, especially the defense that they have kind of still at their core, this could be a good team next year. Um, but if they don't, like I said, 
get the guy that falls at the right spot, if they don't find somebody on the market who they get at the price that they want, then yeah, I can see this being the completed quarterback room. Again, like the only situation that doesn't happen is if, again, like somebody just miraculously happens to get somewhere where they're like, yeah, we're comfortable making that move right now. Yeah, I mean, the draft is the part that becomes interesting because like the the, the free agent market largely stunk. I mean, there was just like a, like I keep phrasing it as like these broken toys that the coaching staff would have to determine, can they fix one and, and put them back together? Some of them were available. Some of them you'd have to trade for. I understand if they ultimately decided that wasn't the path they wanted to go. And then all the other guys who now, who have sub, basically after Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton's now with the Bears. Tyrod Taylor is with the Texans. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is with Miami. Like these were the other guys that were in that sort of um, stable vet, quasi, you know, number two slash stopgap type guy. Washington went Fitzpatrick. All those other guys are gone. Now all the other pieces, the, the younger guys, they're all still out there. Although I guess Jameis Winston is staying with the Saints. He's the one I wanted, but we kind of figured he'd stay. So um, yeah, there's, it's not like there's anybody out there really in free agency at this point. I mean, I, I would be surprised if they were to make a trade for Sam Darnold because you, you have to pay him pretty quickly. So if you have Fitzpatrick, I don't know how Darnold's going to even get in the lineup automatically. So that doesn't make any sense. But then there is the draft. Zach and so like we don't know the reason I thought they might wait is while yet right now it feels like the top five quarterbacks in the draft will be picked ahead of 19 who knows I mean when in the year that Dwayne Haskins was picked 15th Drew Locke was supposed to go ahead of him he fell all the way to the second round I'm not convinced that all five of those guys will be gone by 19 then there's also the day two guys your Kyle Trask's of the world Davis Mills what if you like one of those guys you could, of course, still draft them, but then are you really telling Kyle <laughs> who you just said could uh, could win games for you as to equally as Alex Smith? Sorry, man, it's been real. You got to go. So I, I'm sort of torn, but I guess, Zach, because uh, you are like, I have a beard right now, but you have a beard like you <laughs> like forget Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have a beard like it is you have a legit, intense, legit you and Fitzpatrick. I've there's got a birds in here, man. Going like, on. There's things I hear like chirping in there. <laughs> there. There's a lot going on with your beard. So I assume you have a kinship with Fitzpatrick on, on that on that front. So like all that said, do you buy into the Fitzpatrick edition as like he's the guy? Because not because not only are we discussing are these the three, it's a question is he just flat out the starter. He's making at least 10 million this year. Those other two guys are making like less than two combined. So, like, where are you at just on the idea of Fitzpatrick? And to that end, I guess, is he just in your head the guy? Well, I think, Ben, I think you mentioned the finances, and that's the big thing here, right? Like, there's the on-field performance aspect of things, and then there's the financial issue. 10 to 12 million for a quarterback is chunk change. That's that's basically backup money. That's, you know, upper tier of backup money, but that's not a whole lot for a team to commit to somebody who's going to be your number two and now he's your number one so you're right you get Darnold in there you have to sign into a new contract like Alex Smith like you know every other quarterback in that situation so he's going to get paid so now if your backup's making 10 to 12 million that's not the worst case scenario but then you've got a pair of number threes making 2.45 or whatever it is if you're Heineke 850 grand if you're uh, Kyle Allen those are just like write them off the books put them in pencil take out the eraser and knock them off there but I think what the, the real dynamic comes in when you look at the draft, I can't imagine then in that situation that they're going to be looking at one of these top guys, right? Trey Lance is somebody that we've talked about quite a bit on our site about, 
you know, where he might fit in if, if Washington would trade up for that guy. But he's still really unproven. You're, you're going to take a, a you know, flyer at, you know, top 10 pick on a guy who played one year at the FCS level. Like, th- that's kind of a little bit of a risk there. That's a heck of a high draft pick to use on a guy like that. So like you mentioned, if you start looking at those day two guys, you know, you look at the, the Kyle Trasks, you look at the Kellen, Kellen Mons, you look at Ian Book, you look at Sam Ellinger, like these are guys who are kind of like the mid-tier quarterback prospects, right, who also had experience winning, but they also have experience with like making terrible blunders. You know, I'm in, I'm in Big 12 territory now. I've seen Sam Ellinger throw a lot of, you know, confusing passes over the years. He was pretty good this year, sure, but like this is a guy who's got to have some things straightened out, right? Ian Book is your Notre Dame quarterback. I'm sorry, that reputation follows you. You know, that's not really going to do you any kind of favors here. He's, you know, he's not the most proven polished guy. Um, you know, Shane Bichelle, you look all the way down to SMU. This guy was like the big hype when he came out years ago, right out of high school. And he got ended up, he ended up at SMU and he throws the ball 400, 500 yards a game. So these guys you're going to get in these middle rounds are going to be more of like the de- developmental prospect project guys, right? And you would normally think about these guys fitting in. But where, you know, you're going to waste a round three, a round four pick on one of these guys. Um, and then what are they going to do with him? You're going to tell, like you mentioned, these two guys that you like that you just paid, hey, sayonara. It's not, it doesn't work that way. So I think you're right. I think when you look at the money, the money aspect of things, it makes sense to see, okay, you could add a high priced starter and knock Fitzpatrick down a peg, but we've got so many other issues. You've got that money you got to free up in the future. Where are you going to fit these guys? I think you know, my thoughts today, as you look at it, I think they are done. I think that's, that's basically the three, three and a half. If you want to count Montez, you're going to roll with now uh, all the way through December. Yeah. I mean, I personally like drafting a quarterback almost every year, somewhere between rounds four and seven, if I don't do Mm -hmm. an early one, but again, I guess I'm just going to go with the assumption that they like Rivera or they like Heineke and Allen. And if that's the case, then I guess the real question is, do they actually think one of those two can develop long haul to be a quarterback to be but, a, a but guy too, ben, to your point too about the drafting a guy in those rounds what you're mentioning that's like the old green bay model right they did that for 15 years with thompson it was just take a late round flyer on a quarterback and see what happens now again they didn't need those guys ever because look who they had but it's a sound strategy right maybe you get somebody and you can do something with them yeah um so that's yeah so i agree i would i would be surprised at this point if they if, if it's not these three guys plus montez but you know, we'll just have to see how the draft unfolds. But I, in terms of free agents or trade, I look anything's possible. But I would be surprised at this point if we don't go into camp with these three um, guys. Um, all right, Randon. Here's the next question from at Wes Real one one zero three. Essentially, now that the quarterback position is essentially dealt with, what's the most important position to address? Uh, again, as we're talking here right now, the only thing that's happened is Fitzpatrick, Ronald Darby is though out. Um, so there's, you know, we've written about, talked about um, to some degree, but Randall, just for you, what's the most important position? You go, you only get to pick one. What's the most important position they got to address at this point? I hate questions like these. I do. Um, most important position. Ooh, this is going to be a toss up between the cornerback and the wide receiver. I'm going to say wide receiver, though. I'm sorry. There's still – look, you draft a guy like Shay Shung. You have guys like Monta Sweatin, the four first-rounders now that you have on the defensive line to create the havoc that they did last season that gives you the number two defense, right? That's That was the thing that they said is if you build it from the front, 
then the back end is going to be okay. So they can cover up for the fact that Ronald Darby is not there. I'm sure that there's somebody else that they can get on the third, fourth day. And what, when did they get Darby? He was like down towards the middle, somewhere like that. He was a later. He was um, fairly signing. late, yeah. Yeah, actually, he was like a week or a week or so into this whole thing. So that that's not something I'm all that concerned with. Or you could draft somebody as well, too. Um, but the wide receiver spot, this offense, I mean, look, the defense did a lot last year to make sure that this team stayed afloat. I mean, we watched all the games. We saw that. But how many times did the offense hold the defense back in a lot of different situations? Or the, just the team overall? How many times did the offense shoot itself in the foot or could not get itself going until all those second half late starts and things of that nature? And then, therefore, put the defense in a spot where they need to pitch a, like, 20 or below game or, like, a 23-point below game, something along those lines. They put all the pressure on that group. I think if you get that speedy wide receiver – you know, we talked about Curtis Samuel a lot on our website as well, too. You obviously saw Marvin Jones going to the Jaguars, so he's somebody that that's not available to this team anymore but had some speed and could have been maybe a good fit in this offense. Um, I think that you go out, you get Ryan Fitzpatrick. That, what we talked about just a second ago, it signals, hey, look, we're going to try to put our chips into the table for this year, um, try to get as many pieces around him to succeed as humanly possible. The offense is the place that has the most efficiencies currently. You got Brandon Sheriff tied up with the franchise tag. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now's the time to put all those, all the rest of the money that you have allocated towards finding some, you know, some tools to put around Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever the starting quarterback is going to be this year. Um, you have a team that finished 30th in passing touchdowns with only 16, 16. Ryan Fitzpatrick had 13 in seven games last season. So automatically you should get a boost right there. But is there a way that you can get more than those 16? Yes, the answer is obviously to bring in some more receiving uh, threats for this offense so that it can try to at least like ascend from where it was last season. I even what pointed out the fact that they had 27 big plays last season, 25 or more yards, which was tied for 19th, pretty middle of the pack for the group. Um, I think wide receiver is the next biggest position you have to worry about. Cornerback, again, you cover up with what they have at the defensive line level, but I you can't keep covering the fact that you don't have people to elevate the offense the way that they did last year. They got lucky in a lot of spots. You had what the game against Arizona or excuse me, not Arizona, San Francisco, where you had two defensive touchdowns, which has not happened since the nineties to win that game against San Francisco to stay in the playoff hunt. You just need more people that are on the outside or in the slot or whomever to move the ball down the field and get into the end zone. Something that they struggle with, especially early in the season last year. Zach, how many big plays did you have last year and how many of them involved <laughs> peanut M&Ms? Uh, somehow, Zach, you went full Chris Russell and muted yourself. <laughs> what if I pulled that? I said, I'm a big play guy, man. I make plays happen every single day. So you know this by now. <laughs> um, so I was just sitting here thinking about this. So like I've been saying in terms of the receivers, yes. I mean, they definitely need to get more. Obviously, Terry McLaurin um, is a stud. I have been talking a lot about it here, wrote about it, that like I would be cautious about spending – insane amount of money at receiver because of one I don't personally like spending that much at that position and you're going to have to pay Terry McLaurin in the next year or two so I would be cautious there but you still do need more and I've been thinking you need more of a veteran because they mostly have younger uh, receivers plus the quarterback in my head I was anticipating was going to be some more of a developmental whether it was Kyle Allen a Heineke or even like a Mariota well now it's the old man in Fitzpatrick so now I'm like well wait a minute the draft itself is apparently going to be pretty loaded at receiver, whether they whether they take somebody in the first round or in day two, they should be able to get, they should have options. As it stands right now, I was just, you know, in checking with people around the league, the wide receiver market is pretty pretty weak right now. Uh, had a GM text me, it's, 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 it's a soft market right now, and, it, and the prices seem to be going down, so we'll see what happens there. So there's some options there. But Zach, so if I say to you, 
you could spend, I'm making this up, eight to $12 million on a receiver, you know, annual average salary. So maybe that's a three-year deal for 24 to 30 million, whatever we're looking at, maybe, maybe more, or we're going to wait and you're going to take a receiver. If it's not at 19 on, on day two, does the fact that Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, presumably does that change your view of what you, what you would do? Or do you think that they need more experience just based on kind of what else is here right now? Well, I, I think, Ben, I think what you get is a situation where you now know you have a quarterback who's going to sling the ball as often as possible, right? I mean, not not really, because obviously he's being dictated whether or not he's going to do that, but you have the ability to do that. You have a guy who, you know, has uh, has that in his repertoire, that he's going to throw quite a bit and enjoy throwing quite a bit. So you've got to balance that, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think the, the point you mentioned, too, about McLaurin and the payments, like wide receivers – generally have egos right and this is probably also tough for them to deal with all this uncertainty these couple days with all with the market and there's so many of them and and how much uh, you know what they're not getting paid but I think you know looking at the situation I think what you need is you've got uh, a pretty good situation in the draft where you've got a, a good amount of day two targets um who could be prospects, you know, I think of like, you know, you've mentioned quite a few times Rashad Bateman, right? And I've, I've seen him play quite a few, quite a few games these last couple of years. I know he missed his first half of the season because he sat out, you know, over his concerns opting out. And, and, uh, but he's a guy who just makes every catch that comes near him. He's always impressed me with his hands and with his ability to, he just has a nose for the ball. So he's somebody I think could, could fit in there. You know, do you get him in that range? 19, a little early maybe, but you know, you don't know if you can wait till the second round. Um, I think what, whatever the solution is, right, you've got free agents, you've got plenty of wide receivers who are available, who are, if their price is falling every day, a team like Washington has to be salivating. And then you've got a, a decent crop of wide receivers who could come out there in the draft and, and make an impact. It's a win-win almost, right? Like, you're going to get help that you need. You've got a quarterback now who's going to want to throw the ball. You're going to have more balanced elements. Earlier today, you know, that you've got, you know, Cam Sims is coming back. You know, he's not the most beautiful, you know, luxurious product you might have out there, but he's still been reliable. So it's a good enough situation if you're into need a receiver that you've got plenty of options now in these next two months to make it happen. All right. Uh, I'll put you both on the spot, myself included. I'm going to throw three names out with money. Pick a name. Don't, you don't need to go detailed explanation. Just pick a name. Would you rather at this point, we'll assume the market's going down a little bit. I kind of think they would need more a slot receiver than an outside guy. It was announced today that they did tender Cam Sims. Um, you still have Antonio Gandy-Golden. So you at least have two younger guys on the outside already to kind of see what they can do. But regardless, so let's just say hypothetically, the price for Juju Smith-Schuster drops to, I don't know, $14 million a year, $15 million a year, instead of the 17 plus that people were projecting. You can go him for four years and kind of, assume whatever the total number is the bonus the, the guaranteed money would be a little bit more than half of that so four years on average 15 million a year or we can go to curtis samuel uh, i don't know i'm making this up nine and a half ten million a year four years for him a guy obviously there's the carolina ties um he played better last year though when he wasn't playing under the ron rivera scott turner system for what it's worth and then drop it down to another wrong i don't exactly know if this is the right number for him but josh reynolds the receiver from the Rams, who I think is an interesting guy. Let's just say for argument take, he's five million a year. Uh, Ran and where of those three, pick a name. Don't overthink it. Pick a name and with the with the money, where would you go? 
I hear you overthinking. You know I am. That's the problem. You shouldn't have said that. Like you challenged me to overthink this. Uh, I'm gonna actually go the. I'm going to go Curtis Samuel. I'm going to go Curtis Samuel. I, um, I'm sorry. And this is, this is may just be me, but it's just like, you have this culture that you keep, it is between Curtis Samuel and between Reynolds. I know some people might think that that's a little bit crazy, but just some of the stuff with Juju Smith-Schuster and like the antics aside and things of that nature. I'm sorry. It's just like, this team is actually fairly quiet. There's very low stress. And as it relates to that, it's just like every single week, somebody being stressed out about this guy. Every single week, you got to watch out for this guy, possibly getting depleted going across. No, thank you. I'm good. Um, so it's just like, is he extremely talented? Absolutely. It's just like, does he necessarily fit the culture that they have here? Well, I don't know. It's like, I'd like to think that the ship that they're running in Pittsburgh is fairly similar in that regard in terms of the culture, having the right guys and things of that nature. I'd like to believe that. Um, but I just think Curtis Samuel is just like, he's just a quiet guy, goes to work, he does his thing, he puts up the stats. And albeit Ben, you do make that interesting point. Obviously working with Joe Brady last year, having the career year that he did, I wonder, man, I wonder if you have one set quarterback, because of course you have to remember the fact that Cam Newton was hurt, you know, throughout the time that he was there as well, too. He's dealing with a bunch of different injuries and stuff like that. So that probably did hurt his productivity level, having different quarterbacks. I don't know, kind of similar to here, like having different quarterbacks um, running the offense as well, too. So I kind of I would be curious to see what Curtis Samuel and I do agree with you. And I even said in the roster projection that I think that what the team needs more so than anything else is slot help. Steven Sims was up and down at best last year. He had a nice rookie season but they need somebody with more veteran leadership. And I also think that they could benefit from having that really twitchy gadgety guy that Curtis Samuel, just his ability to do a lot of different things. Even if you look at the amount of rushing yards he had last year, he set career highs in that 200 yards off 41 carries. And I think he had two touchdowns as well too. I just like his different versatility ability. And I think Ron Rivera has like gotten in my brain. It's like, you know, the more a guy can do, the more interesting things can be a la Logan Thomas dropping back on play action and throwing for 30 yards down the field. Hey, that's kind of cool. So I say Curtis Samuel for what you said, nine to $10 million a year. I could take that. All right, Zach, you are the uh, official gadget guy of the athletic. Uh, Just give me a name. Smith Schuster for four for 15 average Samuel four for nine and a half, 10 average Reynolds four for five average. I could be wrong on Reynolds. I'm just guessing. The funny thing I think for us is that we answer that this is a, a quiet team with uh, you know, if Smith Schuster comes in there and starts making all kinds of ruckus with his antics, it's a quiet team. And I'm thinking, what kind of team is, what has happened there in the six years since I've been gone? What quiet team are you talking about? <laughs> I think that being the case, though, I think I'm going with him. And, and I worry if you're going to throw at 14, I know it's just an exercise, but with these numbers falling, certainly he makes it more possible for the Steelers and their massive cap hell that they're in to make a better offer and make him fit, right? Reynolds is, a, is an older guy. You're paying for production who's not, you know, he hasn't really done much with the Rams. Um, Samuel, I do have the concern that you guys have about, yeah, he had one year out of that system and actually thrived that year, but he does have some versatility as a, as a ball carrier. But then again, you also have that same thing with Gibson. So who knows? I'm going Smith-Schuster at that price. I understand the concerns, but this is a guy who has no fear crossing the middle. That is not something receivers like to do. He seems to enjoy doing it. When he has a good quarterback and somebody who can throw the ball, he can gain those yards. I think at that price, that situation, he's been in on, what, five years? He's 24. He's got still a pretty high ceiling. I'm going to pay that guy if you give me those three choices. All right. Since I guess I made you answer, I'll go for the cheaper guy. I'm not even saying I like Reynolds that much. I'm just, like I said, I'm not going to pay anybody more than I want to have to pay McLaurin in, in the following year. And 
Uh, Samuel's interesting. I get it. I don't. I don't know. For some reason I'm. I'm. I, I bought the hype. Now I'm sort of not buying it as much. We'll see. Um, you're I just, returning the hype. You're taking the hype back to the store with your receipt, and you're saying you want your money back. Pretty, pretty much, pretty, pretty much. And like I said, I know with the draft <laughs> coming up, like Marty Herney has a history of drafting a running back or receiver somewhere high in draft. So I'm gonna in my head think he's gonna do that. So um, hey I'm guys, gonna... I'm sorry, I'm to interrupt you, but William Jackson is headed to Washington. William Jackson, the, the Bengals cornerback? Bengals cornerback, yeah. Number oh, two. Oh, sh- oh, gosh. That means we have to do a quick turnaround. Damn it. All right. Well, Rhiannon, uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this? Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dump out of here, and uh, okay. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. So hold on. All right. So uh, I think this might be a first here on, on the podcast in that it's not that we had breaking news that the Washington football team has agreed to terms with former Bengals quarterback, William Jackson, but I was literally recording the podcast with two other people. And now a new person has emerged. Jay Morrison, one of our Bengals beat writers has kindly agreed to come talk to me at this ungodly hour because he knows William Jackson. So first off, Jay, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you doing this. Tell us about William Jackson. What's the, uh, what's the basic uh, thumbnail sketch of, of who Washington is getting um it's it's a good question um he's he's really kind of been all over the map since he came to Cincinnati he was a first round pick in 2016 um suffered a pec injury first week of camp and was lost for the year um came back in 2017 and he was a PFF darling he played lights out um he had a a pick six against Aaron Rodgers um really just kind of lit it up that year and then the next two years 18 and 19 were just he's just kind of there uh really kind of turned it back around a little bit last year he's got everything you could want in a corner he's got length athleticism um he he was he came out of Houston noted for his ball skills and and ironically that was one of his biggest weaknesses that in in um 2019 he he really he was in position on a lot of plays had good coverage and he just he seemed to struggle to to track the ball especially the deep balls um and he's been through a lot he he came in and obviously lost that first year uh then the, the year that he played he had paul gunther as his defensive coordinator then the next year he has Terrell Austin and halfway through the season, Marvin Lewis fires him and Marvin Lewis takes over as defensive coordinator. And then at, when that year ends, Marvin Lewis is gone. And then Lou Anarumo comes in and he's a first year defensive coordinator. And it's just, William just never got settled. You, you see flashes from time to time, but he never really put it together. And this, this could be one of those classic cases of, of a change of scenery really kind of sets him on the right path. Um, that's a lot going on that that's a lot of change. And obviously that can be, uh, that, that, that can mess with a young corner. Now he was considered to be arguably the best cornerback in this free agent class, him or Shaquille Griffin, I guess, sort of depending on where you looked, obviously Washington needed a new corner because they, they lost Ronald Darby in free agency to the Broncos. They wanted to keep him. Um, does this feel like a big loss for you guys? Obviously the Bengals did not franchise tag um use him they, they let him test the market would you feel like this is something that is, that is a big loss for cincinnati 
Um, well, possibly if, if he does start playing like a first round pick, but, but I, I, the writing on the, was on the wall for this for a while. They, you know, in April of 2019, they put the fifth year option on him. They knew they were going to have him in 2020, but last year in free agency, they went out and signed Trey Waynes. And it was almost like that was, that was kind of the sign that that was that William Jackson was going to have one more year. And that was going to be it because either he was going to put it all together and, play like an all pro and price himself out of the the Bengals price range because um, very similar dollar Trey Waynes was three years 42 million dollars last year and you're not going to pay two corners that kind of money um, and then the the flip side would be you, you know maybe William confirms that that he's not that guy and, and you let him walk so it, it's just it never felt like he was he was going to be here beyond 2020 and there were you know, it came down to him and Carl Lawson. There was discussion, would they franchise tag either one of them? But it, it never really felt like like William was a real option. It was pretty much going to be Carl Lawson or nobody. And it ended up being nobody. And, you know, the, the Bengals went out and signed two corners today. Um, so they're they're basically, they're going to be starting 2021 with with three cor- three starting cornerbacks that have never played for the team. Because you have Trey Waynes, who missed all of last year, the two guys they signed today. Uh, Awuzier and, and Mike Hilton, and it was just, it, like I said, the writing was kind of on the wall. I, I do think, you know, it would be one of those regret things if if William goes to Washington and, and becomes an All Pro, but um, it's it, it never really felt like it was in the discussion for him to stay here beyond 2020. Um, I randomly because I wasn't sure if Ronald Darby was going to stay, and I was you know talking to people around the league about different players and William Jackson came up. I was talking to the NFL assistant coach. This is a couple, a couple days ago. He texted me about Jackson said he was a good player. And then he said, he's one of the few willing to press and play true man coverage has size and legit speed against most wide receivers. Um, he also said that he's, he's got the ability to play both man and zone, but probably better off in man. Does that sound like a reasonable scouting report? Or would you kind of add um, anything else to, to that? Um, he, he's very good, man. I, I would say he's way better in man than in zone. And that was another one of the disconnects is where, you know, the Bengals played a lot of zone. Um, he never got comfortable in a scheme. Um, there was, there was a little bit of friction, um, that the Bengals, uh, under Marvin and, and to some degree under Zach Taylor, the new regime, um, prefer to play sides and William wanted to travel. He wanted to be the guy, and he wanted to follow the other team's best receiver. They did let him start doing that a little bit this year, uh, which I think contributed to him having a little bit better this year, year this year. But yeah, it, we always felt that if if there was a team out there that plays a lot of man, that William Jackson would be a really good fit, and you could see him kind of get back to that first-round ped, first pedigree that he came out with in 2016. Um. I'm not pause off the top of my head. How long have you been on the Bengals beat? Uh, I've been on the Bengals beat since 2018. I'm sorry, since 2012. I joined the Athletic in 2018. Um, so Ryan Fitzpatrick was before. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the other. One. I was like, well, I know he was there for 10 seconds or you know a couple of years. So I, I figured I, I would take I would take that shot. I guess just while I have you here, how free agency has been very interesting. Uh, ton of action day one. A lot today has gotten a little slower. I say that despite this uh, th- this situation, I-, I don't know where the Bengals are at this point, but wh- where, like, I- well, I guess let me ask you sort of this. The wide receiver situation is 
very slow right now. Washington still needs one. I know AJ Green is out there. I don't necessarily know that that makes sense for Washington, but I don't know if you can pay attention to his market and in terms of the wide receivers, if, if you need to replace him, what's your kind of sense maybe of, of, of AJ Green and kind of the receivers are just kind of, I don't know, how, how, how's it going? It's, it's not a good year to be a, a free agent wide receiver. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a large class of receivers, a talented class. It is a great class of a great draft class of wide receivers coming out and it's a shrinking a shrunken salary cap it's just those that that position's getting squeezed more than anybody else and um, as far as AJ specifically he he really fell off the cliff last year um, they tried and tried early in the year to to get him involved and I think it was week two he might have had 13 targets and three catches and he just Joe Burrow had this instant connection with Tyler Boyd and with T Higgins and it was it just, it wasn't quite there with, with AJ Green, AJ coming off of, he played, he missed 23 of the previous 24 games before this year. And he was healthy this year. He just, he was not the the same AJ Green. And there was uh, week five, there was a frustration uh, where he, he was caught on the sideline. The cameras caught him saying to the assistant wide receivers coach, why don't you just trade me then? He was really frustrated with his role and uh, he actually, he quit on a interception in that game. It was a really bad look. Um, and it's not like AJ, he is the most down to earth. He is the anti diva wide receiver, um, terrific guy, great leader, but it's just, you know, father time catches up to all these guys. And there, there is a history of wide receivers doing it after age 30, but it's, it's rare. And it, it was really a shame to see AJ kind of to fall off that cliff. And, and part of it was because he stuck in, I did a story on, you know, how these guys, how the high wide receivers um, are able to, to excel in their thirties. And um, I'll never forget. Tim Brown said that, you know, AJ can't be the guy anymore. And because of that, he can't stay on in that locker room because if, if you're the guy and then all of a sudden you accept a lesser role, everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing? Why, why don't you want this? Why, why are you accepting a lesser role? He's, he felt firmly that, that AJ could go somewhere else and be a, a two, a three receiver and, and have a few more productive years. So um, I don't think he's totally washed up. I think he has to reinvent his game. He, he gets no separation, but he's still got terrific ball skills, great size, uh, great hands, can really kind of box guys out. He's just not going to run away from guys like he used to. Um, yeah, I have I had AJ Green on many a fantasy team over the years. So I, in my head, it's still like a guy that I would like. But yeah, it seems like it's on, on the wrong end. Um, l- let me just get you out of here on this again. I really appreciate Jay your time. You Washington played Cincinnati this year, and it was obviously a very traumatizing game yeah. for the Bengals. It's the game where Joe Burrow obviously gets hurt, and it was a really interesting inflection point for Washington because the first half of that game, for the most part, the Bengals were not just winning but they were kind of dominating it felt like but they had a lot of times they were kidding in the red zone couldn't punch it in there was a, a play where, where chase young uh tracks down burrow uh right around right right shy of the goal line i think he caused the fumble on the play it led mm-hmm. to a turnover the, the kicker missed some balls and then when burrow gets hurt ryan finley comes in and washington's defense kind of took over from there i'm curious i don't remember what happened yesterday so don't fret if you yeah. don't but do you remember anything from that game that couldn't have stood out to you about, like, would you have imagined watching that game that the that Washington team would go on to the run that it had? Cause I'm still trying to figure out from my own perspective, is it, what is this team? Is this a team actually 
ready to make a move. Like, they, I mean, signing Jackson to this money is pretty good. Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't Aaron Rodgers, but he's definitely a guy you're trying to sort of win with now. He's 38 years old. Does it, did it feel like a team at that moment to you that was like a team that was maybe ready to ascend to uh, make the playoffs and then possibly contend even more this year? Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, I I wasn't paying that close attention to to Washington um, and didn't have that big of a a big picture idea of what they were and what they were becoming. Well, what I remember from that game is is Cincinnati, that offense was really starting to click. They they had they had Cleveland beat and then the defense gave up a touchdown with 11 seconds left the next week they come back and they beat Tennessee and then they go into their bye and the offense like you say it was it was really clicking in that Washington game they just bogged down in the red zone but you're, you're thinking yes they're they are really starting to put this together Joe Burrow it's going to be rookie of the year and I've never uh, I've covered the Bengals since 2012 I I was in the press box I I, I did spot coverage back in that 2005 game when Carson Palmer tore his ACL in the playoff against Pittsburgh that, you know, they still led that game at halftime. People forget this was totally different. I I have never seen a team more demoralized by something. Um, It just showed you how much Joe Burrow meant to that team, this team, not, not just on the field, but um, as a leader, as a guy, he came in as a rookie and was, was voted a captain right off the bat. And you could just see it really affected every guy on that team. And, and the drop that the whole next man up thing is is basically crap when you're talking about going from Joe Burrow level to Ryan Finley level and they knew it they they knew that their season was shot that Joe Burrow was done and that Ryan Finley was not going to give them a chance to win and it was just yeah it, it was just a total lethargic implosion whatever you want to call it and yeah maybe that was maybe that was the spark that really got Washington going and, and rolling to to their division title um that that that's what stands out I think to a lot of people when you talk about that game was was the burrow injury and, and I remember William Jackson didn't play very well in that game he he gave he gave up uh three catches I think for like 70 or 80 yards and I think McLaurin got him a couple times um it was just it, it was it felt like they were going to win that game. Then the Burrow injury happens. And then you wonder, are they ever going to win another game? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, it was a game where Washington's defense started to look like the defense that people thought they were in the mm-hmm. second half of that game, really kind of smothered. They did that a lot this year with, with against some backup quarterback types, but they're interesting going forward. We'll see what happens. Jay, I, I greatly appreciate this. Go follow Jay on Twitter at Jay Morrison, ATH. Um, obviously you can go check out, um, our Bengals co- coverage for William Jackson uh, inside. I'll, I'll probably tweet out a couple articles as well. And, you know, who knows? I don't know. We'll see who else, who else Washington gets. Maybe there'll be other people and we'll have to bring Jay back uh, much to his uh, horror. Uh, sure. Hopefully it'll be a, a, a more decent hour. You're living my worst life. We had this last yesterday that the Bengals didn't sign anybody all day. And then the fans are on the ledge going crazy. And then in like nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock they get trey hendrickson from from new orleans it's like okay now we start working so well, i think fitzpatrick came even later last night i didn't uh it, it's been yeah i don't know why they're waiting all day for this but they they just want to bother us i'm pretty sure that's kind of what it is yeah <laughs> stick it to the media whenever you can exactly Jay, thank you so much appreciate it <laughs> yep great talking to you ben all right wow okay that was a lot uh interesting night to say the least the washington football team has a new fancy cornerback in william jackson uh, replacing Ronald Darby. We still don't know what's going to happen at 
at receiver. Um, I, I will mention that since the pod, since I started the finishing this podcast off, uh, Nicholas Morrow, who I've mentioned before as a potential option here for Washington, I reported today that Washington had checked in on him. He's staying with the Raiders. So we can cross him off the list. There's still a, a linebacker need. At this moment, there's still a wide receiver need. That market is softening from what I mentioned earlier, I believe, and, and what's kind of going on out there. Still some question about what Washington maybe does at left tackle, uh, safety. And, of course, there's the Brandon Sheriff thing. Will they get a long-term deal or not? There's potentially time there, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe Thune signed as, as Brandon as a uh, – Ross and I discussed, there's that thing. So there's a lot still to get into. We'll talk about it more here on the Standard Group Only podcast as the week goes on. Check me out on The Athletic as well. I'm going to sleep. Thanks, guys, for listening. Stay safe. Stay calm and free agency. We'll, we'll all get through this. Until next time, see ya.